This is Boom, the Southeastern Commerce Podcast, brought to you by the law firm of Adams and Reese. We talk with regional leaders in trade, economic development, government, and business as we explore what's new and what's shaking from Texas to Washington, D.C. Welcome to the season finale of Boom, a podcast sponsored by Adams and Reese. I'm your host, Chris Kane, and today we have two great, excellent guests. Actually, it's kind of our all-star edition from season one. We've got uh, Todd Murphy, the president of Jefferson Chamber, and Michael Heck, the CEO and president of Greater New Orleans, Inc. Gentlemen, thank you all for joining us today. What we're going to talk about really is kind of a year in review and some of the topics that we went over through the year. Of course, uh, Michael, you were our first guest, and when we started the program, um, the concept was to really talk about and highlight uh, all the, 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 the good commerce stories and the trends and to be kind of cutting edge as it relates to uh, the, the southeast boom that we were seeing in terms of major projects and you know, m- mega development. Uh, and it literally, you, the, the the first show we did was right when the New Orleans airport opened. I think you were you were either coming from or or had just gotten completed with that uh, press conference. I mean, obviously things have changed drastically. Um, Todd, you were our first guest in the COVID world, uh, and you, along with two other gentlemen, uh, chamber representatives from Nashville and from Columbia, and, uh, and so perspective wise, in that little tight time frame, a couple months, a lot changed and and you know now we are uh looking at the world through a completely different lens and trying to figure out um, how we return back to hopefully talking about good strong economic uh progress and and opportunities uh so i want to start off with really just asking you guys um you know michael start with you you know a year ago uh it was december 2019 we didn't even know what coronavirus was we'd never heard of covid19 um, and we were really, really uh, excited about a lot of good things going on, particularly in the New Orleans uh, market. Now we're sitting here today. How is your perspective and, and looking back through the year as we move kind of into hopefully 2021 as quickly as we can get there? It seems like many years ago that we were having the conversation. 2019 was a record-breaking year for us in many ways. Um, the airport had just open. The British Airways flight that we had worked on together was going so well. Uh, We had landed DXC uh, technology, the biggest win in Louisiana history. Uh, Industrials were booming. Imports and exports were at record levels. Uh, At our annual meeting shortly thereafter, we gave out sunglasses uh, because we were saying the future looks so bright, which is basically a lesson in karma. Uh, But let me just sum it up by saying here we are a year later and um, there's three things that are overriding impressions. One is just gratitude. When you have situations like this, it certainly makes you appreciate even more what you have professionally and personally. The second is that I think that despite the immense challenges to hospitality and the energy industry, um, the economy of this uh, region has actually endured better than I would have expected. We've had 18 weeks of declining unemployment now, um, and a lot of our companies have been able to pivot to not only uh, help manage acute uh, symptoms of the crisis, but to sustain their operations. Uh, The third is that coming out of this, and this might sound like me making the Kool-Aid, selling the Kool-Aid, drinking the Kool-Aid, and I am and I do, but it doesn't mean it's not right. Our region has actually 
better position coming out of COVID than we were going into it. And the trends that are happening in manufacturing and technology with them coming back to the states, with logistics being the dominant force in retail and in healthcare and even in demographics, actually favor the New Orleans market in a way that didn't exist a year ago. Yeah, it's incredible from my perspective. What what I've seen is innovation particularly and how quickly – uh, we all pivoted in a variety of industries, not just the legal profession, but in every industry, every single client. And we're going to talk about some of those, but technology and, and kind of forced technology, and we saw this huge spike. Now, of course, we, we've heard about a very promising report um, as it relates to the vaccine, which is, which is exciting, and some therapeutics. And then you're starting to see uh, a little trend off in the tech sector. I think it's a little early to do that. And I also think that there's going to be a, a huge shift in terms of how people operate because we've learned lessons. We can do things differently, more efficiently. Um, Todd, from the Chamber's perspective, you know, when we last visited, you were really uh, trying to grapple with reopening and how Columbia was doing it in Nashville and the, the Je- Jefferson Parish, Greater New Orleans region, trying to work together to come up with um, a safe strategy and to open where we were, were not just letting the healthcare crisis drive the whole issue. We had other ancillary major issues in terms of our economy and people having um, you know, related but indirect health issues as it resulted from that. Uh, and you really have been kind of a, a, a voice and a leader, particularly in Jefferson Parish, on that. How do you see um, from when we visited, and I think it was in April, uh, to now, and, and, and how are things progressing in that regard? Chris, it's been a, it's been a very slow-moving process. Uh, Michael and I both represent business. And, you know, when you continually hear only about the public health piece of this and really not a whole lot about the economic health, at times, I think, and Michael would agree, it got very discouraging going through this process. I think now what we're seeing is we're seeing people that are eager to get out more. And so maybe this this whole idea that people want to get back to work, they want to get their businesses open, is sort of having some positive influence on our elected leaders, really uh, not only here but, but across the country, to say, let's figure out how we balance public health and economic health. Um, Obviously, COVID is not going anywhere. Uh, I think our governor said recently, I realize everyone is sick and tired of COVID, but it's not sick and tired of us yet. And so we have to balance that. At the same time, we have seen both of our organizations and, and, and people all over the, the state, and I'm sure this country, uh, we have seen people struggling with mental health, uh, struggling with bankruptcy, um, finances, uh, marriage issues. I mean, I have never received calls from people saying, can you refer me to a broker to sell my business? Can you refer me to a bankruptcy lawyer, uh, a marriage counselor, a divorce lawyer? And and these are real calls that we get on just a basis that I've never even dreamed that w- we would think of as someone running a, a chamber of commerce. Um, so now I, I think, you know, as we've been through this, and, and Michael mentioned, you know, the sunglasses at his annual meeting, you know, I can remember a year ago in, in December of 2019, I mean, my biggest challenge was figuring out how can I get tickets to the LSU championship game? You know, and, and talk about karma. What do we pay? That was a hell of a price to pay, right? And that was LSU last year. Yes. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah, good point. Uh, so, but this has all just been a wash. And so I think what, what we're looking at now is how do we continue to look at diversifying our economy and our businesses? And and how do we react 
to this maybe a little bit differently um, as the largest parish in our, our county in our region. Um, what resources do we have to attract new people in so that we can create new jobs and, and get businesses up and running? It's been a really slow process. And as I said, at some points, it was very, very frustrating. But I think now we're starting to see some of that turn the corner, especially when you when you hear about uh, the possible vaccine and the political season is now over. And so hopefully we can well, it's almost over. We hopefully we can move forward and uh, and get things back on track. Yeah, we were talking, Michael, with some Juno Inc. board members uh, last week, and I made the comment: you know, we, we've got ten and a half million COVID cases in the United States. We were averaging now over one hundred and fifteen, one hundred twenty thousand cases a day, and at the same time, um, we at that moment had some election uncertainty. Um, that seemed to have started to firm up, um, but yet the stock market went off and, and went went through the roof. And it told me what I was waiting for, which is there's some certainty coming around the corner. Now, it's not going to be pretty necessarily. It's going to be a lot of hard work ahead of us, and there's going to be some tough issues we're going to have to deal with. But the market likes certainty. So whether or not you uh, like this president or that president or this Congress or that Congress, they like to know who they're dealing with. And that's coming into into light, although it looks like we'll have to wait uh, until January 5th for the Senate um, and as, that, as those races play out, but but comfortable enough for the market to move forward. And, and now we're getting some you know better news on the health front. And it just it, it amazed me because you saw almost a 10 percent increase post-election market now you know week and a half after after the election well and some of it too chris i you know i think we we've talked about data a lot through all of this and and i i tend to think that sophisticated especially sophisticated business leaders are looking at the data and if you remember this this whole shutdown was about not overwhelming the hospitals not taking up all the hospital beds and the icu usage of ventilators etc and so while we are seeing a spike in cases currently, especially here in our region, it's a much milder case than what we were having. Now, you know, some doctors think, well, maybe it's a milder strain of, of the virus, but I think the, the truth of it, and, and many doctors uh, here locally will tell you that we have learned how to treat patients better. And so when someone comes in that's 65 with diabetes, we know how to treat that person versus the person that's 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 80 with hypertension and so um they've learned through all this process so we see people going to the hospital a day or two and they're leaving and that's from all of our our local hospital execs that are pushing that back so if that in fact is happening around the country employers are seeing this as well and that's got to give them some confidence that we don't have this issue that we had you know in april and in may it looks different yeah well look i want to focus some time and talk about a couple different sectors and how you guys uh, see us coming through in the next, um, you know, in the short term, next few months, and, and then through 2021. We're actually uh, recording today at Bar Marilou, and, and there's a reason for that. We want to support where we can the industry that I think has been probably the most impacted in terms of employees, in terms of direct revenue. Um, it's been very, very hard for the hospitality industry, bars, restaurants, hotels, and um, we're just seeing unfortunately devastating numbers uh, throughout our footprint you know we, we've got uh, in our footprint we've got some really excellent destinations where people go to visit of course we're in new orleans but you know nashville the whole state of florida is a visitors community um throughout i mean it's it, there's a lot of really great places and and you talk to 
uh, locals in each of those markets, and they're experiencing what we're experiencing here, maybe a little different levels. Um, and, and this is usually our robust time, right, between Labor Day and, well, really when we get out of the height of hurricane season, although – you know, eight cones of uncertainty for New Orleans this year, and the whole Gulf Coast has been dealing with it. Uh, but usually when we get to the back end of hurricane season, um, through the more tolerable months, is our boom time. It's San Diego weather without the San Diego culture. <laughs> right. You don't um, have any offices in San Diego, do you? We do not have any offices. So we love the people in San Diego. <laughs> we love San Diego, especially their biotech businesses, yes. excellent businesses. And, 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 and we're happy businesses. to keep San Diego classy. But we, we uh, you know, but Michael, you know, in all, in all seriousness, legislatively, there's some things that are being talked about, but we don't know what, when the help may come and what that looks like. How do you see, what do you think we need to do um, or what the exit strategy is for hospitality in general? I know it's a big question, but it's, you know, it's an important one. I'd like your insight. Based on the news we got about vaccines and what folks are saying, we can possibly have a strong second half of next year, but that's still six, eight months away. So getting to there, uh, hospitality and related businesses like travel are going to need help. And so things like the Restaurant Act up in D.C. need to get passed so we can get relief. Uh, The airlines might need a little bit more support. Our institutions like our zoos nationally, because the tigers don't stop eating, uh, need help. Um, Here locally, institutions like City Park need assistance. If we can get to the other side, there's going to be a lot of pent-up demand. I think it's going to be a roaring 20s type situation, hopefully without the hangover. But we need to help our hospitality institutions get there. Um, I know I'm actually a a recovering restaurateur, and so I understand what this is like. And it's been unfortunate that there's not been more direct assistance forthcoming to this point. But maybe now that we're through the election, uh, we can get it through D.C. during the lame duck period. Yeah, and I feel that this is just anecdotal on my end, but I feel like recently we've gotten to a point where people are feeling safe and taking the right precautions to be able to go out. And, and that personal responsibility, not in all cases. I mean, we see instances and, and, and flashpoints, but, you know, it was it was so much fun this weekend. My wife and I got to go to Commander's Palace for brunch. Now, the jazz music wasn't inside. The jazz music was outside waiting for us to walk in. Um, but the turtle soup was the same. And, and the, the, the San Diego weather with New Orleans food. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, you're right. But, you know, that mixed with some of these other developments you're seeing, you know, Disney likes the vaccine, right? And they're bullish right now. And I think that's, you know, put your thumb up and and figure out which way things are going. I think Las Vegas and other big tourist cities are going to feel that. Our cruise industry um, has really taken it on the chin and and hopefully we'll have a nice rebound. Right. What's interesting is to think that on the other side, what's not going to come back the same? And so I think restaurants are going to come back the same. Hotels are going to come back the same for leisure. I think there's some questions around business travel. When you talk to the airlines, they're thinking about how the front of the plane is going to have to be populated with premium leisure and not business as much anymore. Convention business is a question. Are we going to get the 30,000-person type of events? And the cruise industry, my gut is that it's going to come back, but it's going to take the consumer longer to get comfortable, and they're going to have to kind of change the way they, they do business to make the consumer feel comfortable um, but for us, it's important. We're now the sixth uh, biggest cruise in, uh, port in the country. Yeah, it is big. Well, you mentioned workforce. And, and Todd, you know, from your perspective, I'd be interested to, to get your thoughts on how do you see our workplace coming back and, and what is that going to look like? You know, there was a period of time where we all were home and then there was return to work. 
Um, and then it was, well, you know, if you don't need to come to work and you can be just as efficient at home, and there's a lot of complexity to that because, you know, we're, we're sitting here in downtown New Orleans, and if one shell, well, excuse me, Hancock Whitney Building, formerly known as One Shell Square, um, is not full. That means the coffee shop's not getting, you know, it's, it means the restaurants and the travel issue that, that Michael mentioned. I have not traveled since March 17th when I returned from the TPC Sawgrass that we could not go to uh, because they, that was the first golf tournament shut down. We had a, a, a real big event that we had planned to, to host. Um, I am traveling this weekend for uh, officiating a friend's wedding and going from there on my first work trip. And I'm kind of excited about it. It's a kind of weird like feeling, like a little kid go- going back to school. Mm, mini bars. <laughs> mini, bars. mini bars. Yeah, and, and, and just seeing the experience. But, but the workplace is going to change. And I, I, what are you hearing, and how do you envision that? I think, it's, I think it's a mixed bag, okay? So I have a small office, but my office worked from home until the middle of May. And really, you know, I had a little bit of pushback in getting people back to the office. Well, you know, because we're in a high-rise building. Well, we still have to use the, the elevator. We still have to use the common restrooms and that sort of thing. But once we got back in, and, and of course, you know, look, our mission dictated we needed to come back. I mean, I, I said to my team, and I'm, I know Michael said the same, how, how do you lead economic recovery from home? But a big piece of it is the culture. And I say that. I have one employee that her um, husband got a promotion and, and a move, and she's now working remotely from Denver, Colorado. And I've got the rest of my team in Metairie. So, but, you know, it's almost a daily occurrence where there's a Zoom with that employee. And on the special events and occasions where we need her back, she'll be back in New Orleans. But I think you're going to see a mixed bag because I think – a lot of it is about the culture of the of the firm and how do you keep that and how do you keep the communication open when everybody's from home. Now, I know that there's people that will argue the other side of that, um, but I don't think we're going to see so much of a downshift that you hear people thinking of. Now, again, I represent the largest parish in the region, which is the suburban parish. And so what we're seeing actually is an uptick. We're seeing people come in saying, we need some new office space. We want some. We want more offices. We want more hotels. We want, and so we're seeing like demand for more, 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 more cowbell. Yep, <laughs> more housing, more everything. You know, so I, I guess I'm looking at it from that perspective. But I think even I think even globally, um, you know, throughout the United States, I I think that we're going to see. You're not going to see so much of a dwindling of office space because if anything, I think we're going to pick up some businesses from overseas and and from some other areas we've already seen that in jefferson parish with with the call SCI, center right. yeah with sci that came in you know with uh, over 100 jobs uh pulled in from from another country because in that particular country when they said hey let's go work from home well there's no infrastructure there's no internet mm-hmm. so that that's not even possible so you might be on one hand thinking well i'm saving money on labor taxes what have you but for the efficiency of your company nothing works better than the united states yeah, the other real component that actually impacts the workplace and what that looks like is the the importance and the role that schools play. Um, we had the uh, superintendent of Mobile County, uh, Superintendent Thurgill, on uh, in the middle of the summertime as he was preparing his plan to reopen Mobile County, and some of the points that he raised were were just they were critical. He at the time, their positivity rate was kind of like where we were trending early in this thing in March, and he was torn because he he put together this uh, this food program where he was delivering food 
to kids at home because he knew that the, the, the meals the kids were getting at school were not going to be replaced. It was an important part of their dietary program and, and health and well-being. But the, the issues he raised were, you know, were eye-opening to me. The, the fact that a lot of times teachers are the first to identify at-home issues, mental health issues, a litany of things that, that you, you know, we kind of take for granted and just assume are, are, are there and, 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 and when we have a normal operating school system. I've been very pleased with my own experience. My daughter returned to school in, in early, mid-August. Um, knock on wood, I'm probably jinxing the school right now, and we'll get hate mail for it. But you know, we haven't had a send home, a, you know, a, a class or send home uh, a wing of the school type deal. We've had a couple things pop up, and I think importantly, we've got guidelines and we have plans in place that identify and trace and keep people safe. And testing has been improved and, and at least available, relatively reliable. Um, but school, like the importance of it. Um, both of you, uh, start with you, Michael. You know, we all have kids in various degrees of the system, as well as being involved as leaders in uh, in the community in terms of how we return to school and how it looks. But, uh, you know, what's your take and, and, and how do you see uh, things continuing as we kind of come into a winter where cases may not go down in the near term? I think that when we do the analysis of this crisis five years from now, we're going to see that children are the ones who suffered the most. I think we're going to see the most long-term impacts from the kids who are not able to go back to school last year or in August of this year because there are cognitive and social and emotional benefits and, as you said, even health benefits of being in school that they're not getting uh, at home. Uh, we have to keep the pressure up to keep kid, get kids in school in a safe way. As far as I'm aware, there are very few examples, particularly in younger children, of there being challenges in schools as long as basic safety protocols are being followed. Even our universities, frankly, are doing uh, awfully well here in Greater New Orleans, Tulane, Loyola. Um, And so I think it's a combination of pushing for the vaccine but also getting the kids back in school and recognizing that a lot of the issues that COVID highlighted, again, uh, disparities by race and by class, are going to get exacerbated in a way that will never be overcome by having young children uh, out of school. And we want to protect the vulnerable. And if there are people at home or teachers that have underlying conditions or are older, we have to keep them safe. But the children matter too. And getting them back into school has to be a, a top priority for us. Aside from just the, the younger kids in school and, and how that's operated fairly well, to your point, I, I applaud the kids at at Loyola, at Tulane, UNO, because they've acted very well uh, by, by all accounts. Now, the day before Thanksgiving is the biggest going out night of the year, and maybe we're going to screw all that up in a few weeks. But you know, I, my point being is the, that was a critical part of what you're seeing in a lot of other regions in, within our footprint, candidly, of our firm that's not going as well. Um, Todd, your daughter's at LSU. Is that right? No, she's at uh, uh, Loyola Law School. Loyola Law School, that's right. Yes. Um, that's my alma mater. I, I, I knew that. I forgot it. Um, but how are you experiencing it, both from a, a personal level, but also from uh, your experience with your members and what you're hearing about uh, the education? Sure. Michael mentioned, you know, when we when we analyze this five years out, we're going to kind of really look back. And, and I agree. I think school is going to be a big focus. In a lot of ways, this pandemic is very similar to what we saw in Katrina, 
we don't bring our economy back without schools. It's just that simple. And so what I'm hearing from my members is they want their kids back in schools. And, and I think on the grade school level, and there was an excellent article in the New York Times about a week and a half ago that said school children seem unlikely to fuel coronavirus surges. And that was based on interviews with scientists and looking at school systems around the country. Um, what I'm hearing in our community is people want their kids back in for all of those reasons that we mentioned. And they feel like they're missing out on the virtual. Now, my, my daughter at law school, part of her classes are in person, part are virtual. I mean, can you imagine that? I mean, I, I don't know how she does it. Um, but they're in class. They're on Zoom. The teacher calls on them. And you better be alert and answer the question. But, well, the Socratic but, but method would be pretty interesting by Zoom, but sitting in some of Michael's EC meetings, all of a sudden you get called on. It's kind of the same thing. Right. So, you know, just, <laughs> just hope they don't actually stand up and see if you're, you know, wearing, wearing pants or not, right? Yeah, you know, perish the screenshot. We, we, we call on Chris when you're not even there, so, just for fun. But I will tell you, you know, our school superintendent here locally, and we have the largest school system in the state of Louisiana with about 51,000 kids. Uh, we're number 90 in the country in terms of size. He is very eager to get all of the kids back in. We have about 18,000 of those 51,000 learning virtually or trying to learn virtually, assuming that they have Internet access at home and computers and parents that care enough to make them do it and and all of those factors. And so uh, he is very eager to get everybody back. The issue is um, with the social distancing, you can only put so many kids in a class. And you can't just add extra classes because you can't necessarily add extra teachers. And so it's a real challenge. But I'll tell you, the, the vast majority of the educators um, in our parish or county want the kids back in the class. And, and they, know it's, they know it's just that important to get them back in. Yeah. Well, not as critical, perhaps, to our day-in and day-out economy, but I think critical to returning to a quality of life and having a, an outlet and a resource um, to be part of a community, which we, we're, we're all, we're all have a loss of, uh, is sports and entertainment. Um, and New Orleans is known for both, right? Um, and, and in our footprint, we're very, very um, heavy in terms of, of particularly entertainment. Earlier this year, a couple of months ago, we had Chuck Anlay and Jeff Balding on. They're both award-winning uh, recording engineers in the Nashville area. And their take on it was middle of 2021, maybe we'll see concerts come back. Um, We've seen now on the sports realm, um, we've had a World Series. We've had an NBA championship. Both of them look really weird and different. They didn't feel like I was watching a fanatic sporting event. It felt like like Madden football kind of. Right. I I do feel a little different about the NFL. I feel like when I watch the NFL, um, it feels like a good-to-watch product but it was like that before covid very much so too had had an edge and we're starting to see some fans get to go back to to stadiums at varying degrees college football we've seen uh the the lsu alabama game gets canceled right and or or rescheduled and we've seen that throughout college and we've seen you know clemson's starting quarterback couldn't play against notre dame and that's how it comes of games right for us as a community and, and and throughout our footprint sports and entertainment play a really big role and I'd, I'd be interested in, in your take on when do you think we get any kind of normalcy back, which I don't know what that means. That means 30,000 people in a Superdome. That's really, that didn't feel normal in, in, the, uh, in the early 90s when we were booing. No, that, right? that, that, that's, <laughs> a, that's like a two-lane game in the Superdome. Right, right. We're actually trying to move the Superdome to Jefferson Parish. Yes. <laughs> uh, add Mardi Gras into that discussion, guys, because we're being told that Mardi Gras will, will happen 
well, it's it's kind of like, well, Christmas is going to happen, but but are we going to be able to get presents? You know what I mean? Like, okay, so Mardi Gras is going to happen, but it's going to look different. What, what, that, what that means exactly, we don't know yet. But I'd be interested because it is important fabric of our society and well, what yeah, we do. We're, we're going to get we're going to get it back when we get the vaccine that is is broadly effective. And so let's just if we hypothetically say that this one that currently Pfizer has, you know, it does work at ninety percent. Ninety percent efficacy is off the charts. Like the flu shot is not close to that. So that would be far good enough. It's going to take. Uh, how many months to get that out? It's going to first go to the elderly, people with type 2 diabetes, other underlying you know, comorbidities. And so, again, it kind of feels like under a best-case scenario, we're at second quarter, third quarter of next year before we start getting back. And what that means is that we have a abnormal Mardi Gras, but a normal football season um, you know, next year. And so the question is really just how do you keep the, the torch lit through that time? Is it better to have – you know, a faux gras or just to call it off completely. My sense is that you want to kind of do things, keep people in the habit of the, of the, of the seasons and of the events and that calling off things completely is, is not wise, right? Uh, and let people know that this is kind of just a temporary pause. But I think it's going to take getting to that vaccine and having enough people take it and do well on it for us to, to get back. Well, so, you know, as a practicing Catholic, I had this theory. Why don't we just do a double Lent in the first quarter of 2021, knock it out for two years, and then we could party really hard once all this stuff is over. But uh, I don't think I'm going to get the archbishop or the, or the pope to change the, the Catholic calendar. But uh, Spoken like a true Irish Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> That's, right. That's interesting. I like that idea. Though. Yeah. yeah. We can talk about well, that. Well, Todd, what do you, what do you, how do you see it? Well, I agree. I think we have to do something. Um, don't you love when people suggest yeah. we change the day of Mardi Gras? You're right. like, you don't yeah. exactly understand. Can't do that. Yeah. No, no, no. I don't, no, no. But I, I, think, I think we have to do something um, because I think people want something. I mean, you know, it's all this being trapped up for months at home and, and not being able to get out and be social. I mean, that's, that's not healthy either. And speaking from my organization and look I, you know i run a chamber of commerce we're we're funded by membership dues and golf tournaments and crawfish balls and it's a it's a terrible model right but but it is what it is and so uh we had a golf tournament recently it was sold out at the tpc golf course we had our uh, tour to jefferson bike ride which is a more of a quality of life event but it's also a fundraiser um last year we had 274 people ride the bike this year we had almost 600 you're not charging enough we're not charging enough <laughs> And so people want to get out. Now, those are outdoor events. I get it. But so is Mardi Gras. And, and so if there's a way that we can do this safely to get I, – I, I think we just need to give people some hope that, hey, we're going to get back to normal. And you've got to start pushing the envelope on some of these things. Again, and you, and you mentioned it earlier, some of this comes back to self-responsibility and choice. You set it up. You set it up safely. But you know what? If you're my parents and you're 83 years of age and you're very susceptible and this, that's what this virus is looking for, you ought to stay home. You shouldn't be there. But I think you've got to set it up safely and then, and then let people make their own choices. Yep. Well, look, guys, we uh, like I mentioned earlier, we are at Bar Merrillou on the streetcar line. So if our listeners heard some rattling in the background, it's uh, the authenticity of New Orleans and, and our streetcar. Um, we're also, uh, for the first time on the podcast, having cocktails while we do this. And the reason for that is I want to do a quasi-toast. Now, what we made a mistake of is um, we poured our drinks at the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> we, uh, we BS a little bit before and, and finish half of our drinks. So now we're kind of light on our cocktails. Yeah. But 
uh, the theory was we were going to we were going to talk about what in 2020 we could be thankful for. We we spent so much time focusing on the litany of grievances for 2020 are incredible. I mean, it's been crazy. If I hear phase anything again, I might vomit. It's just, you know, it, <laughs> it's it's insane. But I want to spend a moment and ask you guys really two questions. The first one is whether it's positive or negative, how has COVID changed or impacted your life, your day-to-day life? And then number two, um, what is something you could point to to be thankful for? Todd, I'll start with yeah. you. Well, I think I think certainly, you know, when when I think when all of us look at what our day to day looks like, maybe we don't sweat the little things as much. You know, I mean, I think we're I think we're all grateful for so many of the things that we have that in ordinary times might have been just a huge big deal. You know, and right now what we're seeing, again, I I use the likeness of after Katrina is a big inconvenience. Mm-hmm. But we're still here talking, and we're having a cocktail. And, you know, we've been through what we are now eight storms, uh, hurricanes, in, in addition to – or threats of hurricanes. Um, had one come through here a week and a half ago. And we're not having massive deaths. We, I think we had one person, unfortunately, electrocuted. But, you know, by and large, we're okay. We have our homes. We have our jobs. And I think we have a lot to be thankful for. And I think that that impacts my psyche, I know, day to day, is – Man, don't get so excited about those little things because in the whole scheme of things, people have gotten really sick over this and died and, and the hurricanes have destroyed homes and, and livelihoods. A huge silver lining for me as I, as I look back, and I'm always going to look back, you know, I think anytime somebody says, well, I was a uh, high school senior in 2020 or uh, graduated from law school and didn't have to take the bar in 2020, I think all of those things are going to be thought of either positively or negatively, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I had a grandson born in 2020, and so that'll always be his birthday, and it was, it was, a, it was a wonderful thing for our family. And so. he didn't have to take the bar. And he didn't have to take the bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's wonderful. I, I can't add much to what Todd said. I think that there's just an overweening sense of gratitude, and I think that a lot of people are going to, at least for the near term, come out of this with a better sense of work-life balance, a better sense of what's important to them, a better sense of how precious and fragile things are. And that'll fade, and we'll get caught back up in the, the workday grind. But I think that you know there is a, uh, a natural wisdom to the way things happen, and people have been receptive to it. And you talk to a lot of people, and the overwhelming word used to describe what they're feeling coming through this is gratitude. Yeah. You know, for, for me, it's, you know, I got to live in the life and the time of a nine-year-old that I wouldn't have. Because I, I travel so much for work and I'm, I'm you know, out and about, this experience really paused all of that for me. And, and whether it be working from home sometimes or a lot of times, um, I got to experience a lot more. Now, the fun part about it for, for me, too, is a couple of weeks ago she asked me, Dad, don't you – isn't – are you okay with work? You need to get back out on the road? <laughs> and it was so, like – Baby's I knew had, exactly. Baby's had enough. She, she, she's, you know. <laughs> like, Dad, like, yeah, yeah, my pretty pony is nice, but uh, what about the rent? <laughs> right. C- Carrie, well, C- Carrie and Emery liked their time alone, apparently. And, right. and, and it was good. I know. I was clear. like, Daddy, English training free. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so that, that's what's really impacted my life. And that, that's also what I've been thankful for because this stuff flies by. You know, the, the three of us and, and, and many of our listeners, you know, we've lived through some really incredible experiences that I, I would prefer not to have but when you come out on the other side you think about you know 9 11 
in in terms of our country. And you think about Hurricane Katrina, you think about the BP oil spill, you think about now COVID, many other things too. But th- any one of those is like enough for one person. You used the word earlier. I, I'm uh, gratitude and very lucky that we've got a good group of people who can work together to try to figure out how to solve these problems and do it in a way um, that we may not always agree and maybe pulling teeth here and there. But at the end of the day, we know we're going to get there. Um, and it's been a really weird year, but incredible experience. I don't know if that makes any sense. I think for the first time in my life, I feel like I've been living in history instead of reading about it. Yeah. That's been 2020. Yeah. Well, there was a joke that um, I forget how it exactly went, but in high school, a kid, a kid's going to be studying about 2019. It's going to go to 2021. And they're going to say, well, what happened to 2020? You're like, oh, we're not going to talk about it. It was a mulligan. I talk about it. A mulligan. There you go. Well, look, guys, thank you all very much for joining us. Um, I, as I mentioned, this is our season finale for our first season and uh, you know, putting a lawyer on a podcast. I can't believe it took 12 episodes to get a cocktail in my hand. That's pretty impressive. I'm impressed with myself, Michael. That's, yeah, yeah, no, well, you yeah, know. We untied you. <laughs> <laughs> we had to take the gag out of your mouth so you could talk, but we had to untie you finally for the cocktail. <laughs> right. Um, but look, I, I want to re- just very briefly, I want to thank uh, Sandra Claudio and, and Whitney Himel who have helped put this program together and, and a number of other people behind the scenes. Uh, we look forward to coming back in our next season. We're going to be a little more interactive and, and, and hopefully – Uh, You guys will enjoy the, the topics and the issues we try to tackle. So with that, thank you and signing off. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And if you like this episode, tell a friend. You can also find transcripts, links, and more on our website, adamsandreese.com. 